You now are listening to the audio podcast of Prisoners of Hope, the antidote to what ails your heart. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Witsis. So come on in, pull up a chair, and open up your mind as you get ready to receive the download that hope will bring. Good day. I like that. Yes, it is a good day. This is Dr. Deborah Whitson, the host, better known as Dr. D, of a new podcast called Prisoners of Hope. I want you to come along and get aboard this vessel. Do you need to invigorate your life? Do you need strategies that will help you? Do you need wisdom? What about courage? Do you need courage? I have a formula for courage. (laughs) Courage is on the top of a fraction and on the bottom, the denominator, which you, you know that's the most powerful part of a fraction, is fear. I'll repeat that, fear. So courage is on the top. Over fear. But let's not forget the multiplier. That's faith. So courage over fear. Time faith equals hope. Don't we all need hope? So come along with me. And learn how to deal with this ever-changing world. Ever-changing, you say? You know, my father in heaven is the creator and he creates. And only thing that's consistent is change. I live in Monument, Colorado, which is just north of Colorado Springs. And I remember when I first moved here, it was it was summertime. It was beautiful. Everything was green coming from California where things are brown because nobody waters anything <laughs> anymore. But everything was green. And I remember meeting a guy on the hike who 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 basically was a new Christian. And when everything started turning, the fall is gorgeous here. All the leaves start falling. And he he had fear that it was never going to be green again. He he was a new implant also from, I think, from Florida. But I told him, take half faith. It will change. Everything will die. And then the spring will come and everything will butt out. <laughs> he said, butt out? Yes, buds come out. I call it butt out. <laughs> you know, change is a very interesting thing. Before I had children, I would say, nobody likes change but a wet baby. And then I had children. I had two boys. And I found out that I would have to run them down to change their diapers. They'd be fighting me the whole way, even though there was crap all over their diapers, in their diapers. They smelled awful, but they did not want to change. They didn't want to have their diapers to change. Do you have crap all over your life, but you refuse to change? 
This reminds me of a story of a farmer who had a hound dog. And he had a new neighbor. So the new neighbor came over and introduced himself. I'm Bob. Oh, hi, Bob. Hi, Tom. The farmer's name was Tom. The dog's name was Chuck. (laughs) So you got it. Tom, Chuck. Okay. And Bob. Bob is the, is the neighbor. And Bob was talking about, oh, you know, uh, does that road go to town? And Tom said, yeah, that road goes to town. And then all of a sudden, Chuck, who's the dog, said, <laughs> you know, when you're new to a situation, you don't want to ruffle any feathers. So, you 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 ignore things that are crazy because you're you 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 figure out everybody else is ignoring it and you're taking your the, your cues of behavior from somebody else. So the so the so the visitor Bob he just kept on talking, and Bob asked the farmer so uh, so when do they plow the road and he goes well they don't really do that back here because you know we're in the country, and and Bob is talking and the dog goes. <laughs> And about the third time, Bob looked at the farmer and said, man, what's wrong with your dog? And he said, oh, oh, Chuck, he's he's sitting on a nail. And Bob said, well, why doesn't he get up? And the farmer, being very wise, very few words, said, I guess it doesn't hurt bad enough for him to move. Do you have things in your life that don't hurt bad enough for you to move? I always tell a good friend of mine, you know, the only difference is going to be you're going to be 40 going through the same thing. 45, 55, if you figure out that it doesn't hurt bad enough to move. But once you really figure out this is too painful, then you will move. I would like to welcome all my listeners. I would like to welcome my friends. Hopefully I have some after this. (laughs) My family, they can't desert me because they're family. The acquaintances, I have a lot of those. You know, they say you're lucky if you have two good friends. And (laughs) happen-ons. What are happen-ons? First of all, I make up a lot of words, but I'll tell you what they mean. Happen on so those people who happen on this podcast, happen on this YouTube video, just happen on. The this is what you call serendipitous discoveries. You know, have you ever have been looking for something like a pair of pants and you find your glasses that you lost two years ago? That's called serendipitous discoveries. My favorite romantic comedy was serendipity. <laughs> discovering something by by surprise. So welcome, all of you listeners. I would like to welcome people who like to learn through hearing. Some people are very good listeners. They listen very well, and they can tell you what the person says. Some of us don't listen at all, right? Somebody introduces you, hey, my name is Jane. What's your name? My name is Deborah. And a minute later, you've, you, you've forgotten Jane's name. You know why? Because you're too busy thinking, my name is Deborah. And I blah, 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 And you're blabbing in your head. That's why you can't remember her name is Jane. But I 
digress. Let's go on to the next thing. Some of us learn better by visual cues. We learn by seeing. For those people who have the format, if you're on YouTube or something that allows you visual acuity, you can actually see the pretty slides as I go through this. Hopefully, they'll be on on time. (laughs) Many fears, but do it anyway. I'm sure I'm going to look back on my first episode of Prisoners of Hope and say, oh, my gosh, (laughs) that is awful. (laughs) But I did it anyway. A lot of you have things that are holding you back, but you're too afraid to take the first step. Remember the formula for for courage. Remember, fear is the denominator multiplied by faith. Well, I would like you to fasten your seatbelts. You know, when you take a journey, we're talking about journey. You fasten your seatbelts. I want you to fasten your seatbelts and return your tray tables to the upright position. (laughs) A lot of people say, why does she talk about accoutrements of journey and accoutrements of travel? Because I'm a military brat. That's all I did all my life is travel. Okay, I worked in one state recently and and lived in another state. So I was traveling back and forth. But the reason why I use the metaphor of journeying is, isn't life a journey? Is it the journey or the destination or the company? You know, when you take somebody with you, it takes longer. But isn't it so much fun? When you go, for example, to Disneyland with people you like, (laughs) you love, you care about, as opposed to going by yourself. Now, I'm weird. I can go by myself and I'll meet friends in the bathroom (laughs) and I'll have a good time. But I want you to understand the journey is so much more meaningful when we take it with others. So come and take this journey of discovery with me. You know, my heart is so full, you know, <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I didn't know where to start. I, I didn't know what to tell you or what to do or what to say first or what to cover. Isn't starting the hardest part of any task? You don't know where to start. And sometimes we're so petrified, we just sit there. <laughs> We turn on Netflix. <laughs> well, I don't watch Netflix. Okay. So you turn on, just name the streaming platform, Paramount Plus, whatever, Hulu. Don't play with me. Whatever. You do things to procrastinate from starting. But once you get started, it's so much easier. Here's one of the lessons. Sometimes it's hard to start. I didn't know where to start, so I bowed my head and asked God, where should I start? I thought about it for weeks. (laughs) Believe me, much prayer and thought went into what should I, what should I say first? What should I share first? And you know what? (laughs) The Holy Spirit told me, start at the beginning. (laughs) Now, isn't that funny? Isn't that deep? Start at the beginning. So here it goes. 
I was born at an early age, got a PhD in consumer psychology, taught marketing at a major university. Hi, students. People are like, oh, it's Dee, it's Deborah. For over 40 years, wrote a book called The Accidents, A Journey of Surrendering to the Holy Spirit. You can get that on Amazon and Kindle and Kindle, Kindle, Kindle. Okay, <clears throat> it's beautifully illustrated. Uh, you can see if you are on a format where you can see the visual cues. The book is a gorgeous. The cover is gorgeous. It's illustrated by an artist called D. H. Phillips. Every chapter has an illustration that's absolutely gorgeous. The first of the prologue is called On This Side of Heaven. On This Side of Heaven, certain things will not be revealed. It's just absolutely gorgeous. The first time I saw the actual painting, because we were working, you know, online, um, it, it, I, it took my breath away. <laughs> it's about a 70 foot wide oil painting. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And if you look closely, you can see an image in the center of the painting. And she did not put it there. Our process was that we would pray, consult the Holy Spirit. She would read the chapter. I would draw a little sketch, which I thought it would be. And her and her husband would laugh. Because my ability to draw is pretty bad, okay? <laughs> but there's a lesson in this. We all have purposes that we were put here for. The Bible calls it talents. When you try to assume somebody else's talent, it just does not work. Because God made you for a certain purpose. Mine was not to be an artist. So every chapter has a beautiful illustration, except there's one chapter that when you get to it, you go, what the heck happened here? <laughs> it looks like somebody who's mentally challenged drew it. I drew that. <laughs> her and her husband just laughed and laughed and laughed about my ability or my inability to draw. But recently, one of the ladies in the DA's office, when you read the book, you find out my son was shot point blank in the chest by another Christian boy playing with a gun. It wasn't a ghetto type of thing. And she said that her daughter really liked my drawing. Her daughter was 12 years old. She thought it was real neat. So, so there, <laughs> I am still not an artist. Let's talk about the origins of Prisoners of Hope. How did I come up with such a thought invoking? Invoking means, not evoking, but invoking means internally. It makes you ponder inside. Prisoners of Hope. It's also captivating because what's more captivating than a prison? <laughs> right? And if you can actually see the visual picture came up, it's a picture of a girl who's looking through one eye and she has her hands cupped in the shape of a heart. Captivating. It's also restorative. Prisoners of hope. Having hope be your jailkeeper. Something restorative about that. Prisoners of hope. 
I would like to take all the credit, <laughs> but the credit is not mine. This title, this idea for this title comes from the Bible, the best-selling book of all time. And the verse is Zechariah 9.12. This has been my verse for years before I even realized I was going to write the book that I did or do this podcast. It says, return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, even today, I declare, I will restore twice what is taken from you. Double for your trouble. <laughs> Being a marketing professor back in the day, there was a uh, advertising campaign for spearmint double gum. It was like double your pleasure, double your fun, double, double, double. God promises that if you abide in him, he will give you double for your trouble. You know, have you ever started giving people things and, you know, tithing or whatever you call this offering gifts of grace to people? Do you notice how it comes back immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine? Have you noticed that? <laughs> That's my God. Zechariah 9.12. I want to dive deeper into Zechariah 9.12. The podcast foundational verse. Now it says return, return, which means this is not the first time you've been here. Return means you're coming back. Jeremiah 1.5 says, before you were born. Now notice I want you to say, I want you to say before. I want you to notice before I knew you. Before you were in the womb. That's why Zechariah tells you to return. To come back. You've been here before. The next thing it says. To the stronghold. What's a stronghold? Well, I I love Lord, Lord of the Rings. It was called Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings. It's a fortress. It's a fortress of protection. Our fortress of protection is God. He's our refuge. He provides a sanctuary. So it says, return, come back to the stronghold. Come back to your first love. And I like where he declares, oh, you prisoners of hope. Oh, that is the, my King version, King King James version. Oh, you prisoners of hope, prisoners of hope. For even today, I like that, today. It, it, it wasn't yesterday. Yesterday is gone, baby. It is a canceled check. It's gone. It's not tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own, enough problems of its own. God will meet you today, tomorrow. You, It's not even promised. It's a promissory note. So God is not talking about the cancel check or the promissory note. He's talking about right now. And it says, even 
today. I will double what has been taken from you. I promise I'm making a covenant. The context of this Bible verse, Zechariah 9.12, is that he's talking to uh, the Jewish nation who's been in captivity for many, many, many years. Don't ask me how many. It's just many years. And he makes a promise. He, he makes a covenant. I declare, says the Lord. You see, Satan uses lies. He declares all kind of foolishness over our life. Satan can't tell the truth. And God speaks nothing but the truth. I promise I will return twice what has been taken from you. When my son was shot, we had storage full of stuff in California. And we completely forgot about it. You know, you've just seen the uh, the, the Discovery Channel's uh, storage wars. So I'm sure they could have filmed one. My storage. I had two storages full. I lost everything in there because we have forgotten all about it. About a year later, I'm sitting there and I'm going, you know, I think I better put up the Christmas tree because I had been like in darkness. Yay, I walked through the valley of death. I was walking through. That time, dealing with the injuries, dealing with the post-traumatic stress, and I have forgotten all about the storage. It was about two years ago. You know, it, 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 it's, it's funny. You don't wor worry about a paper cut when your leg has been amputated. Now, do you? You don't worry about the little things. There used to be a saying that says, a dog in the hunt doesn't know he has fleas. So... I used to collect these little villages, Christmas villages. And I said, well, you know, I think two years later, it's time for me to set up my Christmas village. And then I'm like, where's my Christmas village? And these are not target type of villages. These are collectible items. Some of the pieces were worth $5,000 because they retired. And I looked at my husband and I said, have you paid the storage bill? You know what he said? My loving husband. He goes, what storage? <laughs> So we we lost everything, everything, all the material things. But let me tell you how my father is. The woman who was the resident of the storage, you know, these storages sometimes have a resident that lives there because if they didn't, somebody would rub it blind. And the woman who lived there, her daughter went to high school with my oldest son, not the one who was shot, but my oldest son. So all the stuff was sold out of that, but she kept all the important stuff like my diplomas and birth certificates. And so isn't that amazing how you think all oh, hell is breaking loose and God, he creates a tunnel like he did the Israelites who were fleeing from Pharaoh. He creates a tunnel for you to walk through. He gave me back what I should have had back. Because, you know, God says, you will have no other gods before me. And I had two storages full of this collectible stuff. So, and he's a jealous God. You will have no other gods before me. And even though I've been a Christian for most of my life, D56, that's what it was called, was my God. And he took it all. I had nothing. But he promised 
according to Zechariah 9.12, that he will give you double for your trouble. Just abide in him. The immeasurably more verse comes from Ephesians 3.20. He will give you immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. According to the power that's in him and the church and Christ Jesus for generations. You see, this is a generational lesson. You got to get it right so your descendants have it right. You know, I like the title Prisoners of Hope because everybody's a prisoner of something. We're, we're, we're a prisoner of our responsibilities, all these things going around in our head. We're a prisoner of our family. We, we have family responsibilities. We might have young kids, old kids, uh, aging parents, family members that need financial support. We have responsibilities. We're a prisoner of it. Don't mean it negative. We're definitely a prisoner of work. All the things that we have to do at work. I don't really need to talk about that anymore. You guys know what I mean. Some of us are prisoners of school. <laughs> this is when you really want to see the visual. There's a GIF in there. And there's, there's a simple math problem on the board. And there's two guys and they're not paying attention. And they look away and they look up and the board is three levels uh, covered with a whole bunch of formulas. <laughs> so a lot of times school, we're a prisoner of school. We can be a prisoner of our responsibilities, our family obligations, our work, our school. Everybody is a prisoner of something. So why don't you let hope be your jail keeper instead of fear? And despair. Remember, when you have to do something new, the denominator is going to be fear. But, but take hope. You multiply it by faith. And you do it anyway. Well, hope is confident. We have confidence in expecting something that will happen to us. Hope is a feeling of expectation. A picture of a snowy scene came up with this, a flower, a purple flower peeking through. We're, we're expecting that the, all the flowers will come and the snow will melt away. Hope is the product of desiring a future state of affairs. Something in the future we think that will make us happy. <laughs> we'll talk about that in future episodes about happiness. What does the Bible say about hope? Well, this is my favorite Bible verse. It's Isaiah 40, 31. This is what God says about hope. But those who hope, prisoners of hope, hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Do you need your strength to be renewed? Are you feeling weak? Are you feeling helpless? Are you feeling alone? So the Bible says that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Where I live, there's a field. And across the field, there's a telephone pole. And there's an eagle that likes to perch there. And we first moved here, we were like, oh, my gosh, we had the cameras. We were taking pictures. My son texted me. I came home early so I could see the ego. But we 
we learned that that ego always sits there on that telephone pole, probably looking for bait, <laughs> little mice that he could eat. Have you ever watched the eagle soar? They kind of like soar on the wind. They hi- they ride above the wave of the wind. So the Bible says they will soar like eagles. When you renew your strength in the Lord, you will soar like the eagle. You will run, but you won't grow tired, weary. You will walk and you won't be faint. This is what hope is. Your belief is the driving force that fuels your life. Your belief about your life determines your life. There are two caveats I'm going to remind you over and over again (laughs) as I go through the material. In further episodes to come, there are two caveats, warnings, stipulations, Questions that you need to understand as you listen and or watch this podcast. Number one, your belief is not a prereq for the truth. Like, say that again. Here it goes. Your belief is not a prereq for the truth. You know, in high school and college, you have certain classes you have to take. A pre-requirement before you get to another class. Your belief is not one of those. Let me demonstrate what I mean. In the physical world, if I was to take you to the top of a 50-story building and push you off, you are going to suffer the effects of gravity regardless if you believe in gravity or not. You don't have to believe in gravity to suffer from the effects of it. So your belief fills your life, remember, but it is not a prereq to what is true. Number two, this is this is a real profound one. Could you be wrong? What do you mean? Could you be wrong about some beliefs that you wrapped your heart around? That you hold on to? Could you be wrong about something about yourself? Could you be wrong about your beliefs that you hold against other people? Or beliefs you have about other people? Could you be wrong? You know, comparisons are deadly. (laughs) And I'll share this with you because I'm running out of time. I wanted to keep this under a certain amount of time. But when you compare yourself to somebody, you compare yourself to the worst of what you are, because you know exactly what your deficiencies are, to the best of what you perceive you think they have. The grass is always greener on the other side till you step in it and you realize there's crap in that grass, too. Could you be wrong about your circumstance? Could this be the the valley between two miracles that you're about to experience instead of hell that you think you're going through? Oh, saying, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Keep on going. Go fast. 
could you be wrong? I will repeat this over and over again (laughs) for new people to the podcast and for new minds. Renew your mind to the podcast. Looking for markers of hope along your journey? Well, come join me as I uncover truths left behind for us to embrace on our journey. You shouldn't, you don't have to do it alone. Navigation is so much better when you have people to help you along the way. And guess what? God knew knew you needed help. He will send halfway friends to help you along your journey. Take courage, and I want you to reach for each goal post marker a hope along your path. You know, here on this side of the Continental Divide, the mountains are gorgeous. But not too far from where I live, there is a rocky mountain. And you think, what the heck is that rocky mountain doing there? So in Deuteronomy 30, 19 through, I think, 21, God talks about this. He says there's two paths. There's the path of death. That would be that Rocky Mountain. And there's the path of life. And he begs you, he wants you, he beseech you to choose the path of life so you and your descendants can live. A friend of mine went to the Holy Land. She said the tour guide said that when Jesus was alive, he stood right there where the bus stopped. And there's a mountain. These mountains are right close together, she said. There's one mountain that is deserty. There's nothing going on. And then there's a lush mountain. Choose the path of life. Well, I'll see you next time on the podcast. And remember to be a prisoner of hope. God bless. My hope is that this journey has been fruitful and you're able to take it and apply it to your life. Until next time, tune in again for the Prisoners of Hope podcast. God bless.